and welcome to Fundamentals, the podcast that explores pop culture one conversation at a time. I am your host, Harley. Every episode, I interview different people from around the world to discuss a variety of topics within the world of pop culture. Thanks for joining me on this journey, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome back to Fundamentals, and thank you for joining me for the very first season of 2024. For this season, I'm exploring songwriting. Each episode, I will be joined by a guest to explore their unique perspective and approach to this wonderful creative art form. And up first is the progressive cellist, Joe Quayle. Joe's approach to this instrument is unlike anything I'd ever seen before. And when I saw her perform live a few months ago, I just had to reach out and find out more about her journey with the cello and how she ended up constructing songs in the way that she does. Her answers were as insightful as they were passionate, and I think you guys are going to really enjoy this conversation. So, with all that said, let's just get to it. This is Songwriting with Joe Quayle. Hello, Joe, and welcome to the Fundamentals podcast. Thank you very much for chatting with me. No, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on and for a series, the first series I'm doing technically ever. Well, basically to fill you in, I have sort of done a series before about sitcoms that just sort of accidentally happened one summer. Right. But this is the first time I'm properly doing it. And I couldn't think of a better subject than one that my listeners will know I'm very passionate about, which is music. And of course, the myth that is songwriting. How do people write songs and how do you approach it? And there's so many different ways. And to fill the audience in, I had the privilege of watching you perform live a few weeks ago now, and I was just absolutely blown away by what I saw. And I had thought to myself, I have to ask this person how they do this and what their approach is. And I just have a ton of questions. So to kick us off, I just want to start, Joe, I'm really curious, what was the first song you ever wrote? Um... Well, I mean, this 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 goes back a very long way. Uh, okay, so I mean, I've mm. been I've been um, composing in inverted commas forever mm-hmm. because uh, right. I had a very uh, I was very lucky with the music education I had as a as a child and a young person and a big it's just called a place called the Center for Young Musicians and a big. A uh, chunk of that was to do with improvisation and composition. So uh, I can remember being uh, playing my first uh, composition, which was a recorder trio um, at uh, in the Purcell room. And I think I was about 10, something like that, nine or 10. Um, right. But but obviously, I mean, you're talking probably having seen the concert recently, that's a very different kettle of fish. So. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> So in in that sense, I've been writing music um, such as the like that, that I performed for you, uh, probably mm-hmm. since about 2010, something like that. But I've, I mean, I've always been wow. writing, always, always. So, yeah, wow. Okay, so I mean, quite a young age to to even be thinking about composition. That's that's pretty impressive. Yes, but you see, it's all how things are framed up, isn't it? Because at the uh-huh. age of eight, nine, ten. It's not called composition, or it certainly wasn't when I was uh, with this amazing centre. It was it was called um, general musicianship, 
and yes. so that's that's very different so there's no um expectation from the children's side of things is a complete it's freedom it's basically experimentation it's playground there's boxes full of equipment um mm-hmm. percussion xylophone you know beating up all things of course we all play cello or violin um as well um and so the emphasis was on creativity and on uh, exploration and having fun, but none of that mm. was set out as, as as a series of agendas. It was just the way that the music was taught by these amazing people, you see. So I was very, very lucky, yeah. Harley. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I bet. I mean, I had a little bit of that at school. I think the closest I can relate is having drum lessons when I was 10, and it was a lot of fun, and that kind of got me kick-started on like a, ooh, I like music, I think, and yeah, I discovered the guitar years later, and that was me. But yeah, I I think I'm interested in, and that is, you're already learning. Even like you say, you won't think of it as necessarily composition. It's learning to put the pieces together of music in order to create a song at quite a young age. I think that to me seems like quite a fundamental understanding at a young age of oh, this is how songs work. We have to work together. I do this, you do that, and. <laughs> there you go we're, we're figuring this out yeah exactly that's exactly it and that that's something that can be uh taught or encouraged in people even even actually mm-hmm. in um i remember when my daughter was at, at nursery and you know clapping games that's the simplest form of communication in music you know yeah and that's yeah. basic principles of how song crafting or or composition um i suppose is is built you know is it's the relationship of of one or two parts um and how they mm-hmm. how they move and interact or do not interact um and that's that's your your composition really isn't it um i suppose it is yeah yeah so was that always the case on uh, on cello for you then was that your sort of go-to instrument yeah cello or yeah because i started playing the cello when i was uh five so um mm. i should just point out here it's not it sounds i, I realize <laughs> that i'm extremely i'm extremely privileged and extremely lucky but all of this music education the whole uh-huh. lot was uh, offered for free by the government at wow. the time yeah exactly unfortunately it's not free anymore for people it's uh it's on a fee-paying basis oh. now but there are loads of us it was offered to all inner london primary school kids at the time so uh so i feel every single day that i play the cello i feel blessed mm-hmm. and lucky you know so i just i just put that in case your listeners yeah. are thinking that you know i'm some stuffed up person that's come from a <laughs> you know <laughs> privileged household that isn't the case um I did come from a very supportive household, however, but um, yeah, yes. cellos, cellos, well, I, it's always playing the cello. There were lots of us, lots of children learning, lots of people playing the cello. So from right from the start, they would uh, farm off uh, a big section of cellists because there was too many for a mm-hmm. string orchestra. So we it would be a kind of revolving thing where they'd farm off um say 10 of us and we play cello ensemble music so right from the start mm. i was used to hearing the sound of multiple cellos you know uh, and mm. obviously this was years before but you know apocalyptica or the 12 cello of the berlin phil were doing their thing or anything like yeah. that we were, we, we were yeah. doing this right from the start and so in a way i think probably that's one of the reasons why i started first of all doing what i do because i was so used to that sound mm. it's very familiar and comforting sound yeah. so <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. So it comes naturally mm-hmm. to you. And then the idea of building a song with that instrument, I think to perhaps the uninitiated like myself, I've got to admit, it's not something I would necessarily think of. But then that's not my background. You know, I think, oh, okay, how do you build an entire song with just 
just the cello. My my brain goes, oh, it's an or- it's an orchestral piece. But then as I've learned watching people like you and you mentioned like Apocalypse and guys like that, it's like, oh, no, I suppose if you experiment enough with it and play around, mm. anything's possible within the realm of music. So, yeah, what was that moment for you then? I guess you say 2010, was it that sort of period you just started gathering ideas and thinking, Do you know, what? I'm just going to give this a go. Yeah, around then. I mean, we, I, you can, you can, I have to organize my thoughts here a bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can. So, so what I do is I, I use a loop station RC600 and I mm-hmm. play and I record over the top. So that's fine. Now, you can do that with an acoustic cello, it's no problem. Uh, and you can mm-hmm. get a lot. There's on naturally on a cello, there's an enormous number of uh, what we would call extended techniques or, or different techniques anyway that will produce quite mm-hmm. different timbres and sounds. And we have an enormous range. So, therefore, yes. you know, we've got more than a four octave, well, five octave, more than that range on the instrument so we've got all mm. the parts covered the whole orchestral thing is covered pretty much um mm. when you add into that uh the possibilities with effects so i do all of my sound modeling using the gt 1000 boss boss pedal um mm-hmm. you start adding uh, even the simplest thing like delay or reverb um then suddenly mm. a whole spectrum opens and then if you go further down the line so i've always been um into uh, metal as a sort of broad, you know, genre. Um, so you mm-hmm. start to experiment with with drives or distortions, um, or, or yep. uh, you know, other bits and pieces, even even phasers and uh, things yep. like that. And suddenly, with blending that with extended cello techniques, um, you can create some really, really avant-garde sounds. And then you start to be able to craft um, a composition or a song. Um, I mean, as we say song, but obviously I, I don't mm-hmm. sing actually live. Um, so I just I just mm-hmm. make pieces. But then you start to be able to get uh, tombal diversification in there and some interesting uh, textures and things. And then it begins to 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 move and to have shape. And if you like mm-hmm. musical a music, musical arc or, you know, compositional integrity um, rather than just kind of mm-hmm. layer, 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 you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's something that really jumped out to me actually when I was watching you for the first time was I understood the technical like what you were doing as you say with the with a loop station. It's a, I think it's something that I must admit I just admire anyone doing because I'm somebody that just fits into a band and that I can I can get my head around that. But the idea of building a layer and doing it that many times live, I'm always impressed by that skill. So first of all, I was like, oh, okay, brilliant. And then what you just said was what stood out to me was. It wasn't just that you were building a soundscape or something really big and immersive. That alone was amazing, but it was it was hearing that arc and that journey. And, going, and that's, again, why I wanted to speak to you, because I was like, oh, I can see what she's doing here. She's building a story. And to me, that's what a song is. A song is taking you on a journey. It can take many, many forms. It doesn't. I think it doesn't really matter if you're a singer or not. I mean, funny enough, the next guest I've got on writes pretty much just instrumental stuff. And Great has the same principle in mind um so yeah i want to go back though so this idea of taking all of these things and basically uh, you're you're speaking my language joe because i'm sat here in a monomath t-shirt so i'm I'm a metalhead through and through good the idea though of taking the things that i'm very familiar with what you just mentioned all of those effects i mean i'm literally kicking a bag full of guitar pedals as we speak (laughs) but putting that onto a classical instrument I'm fascinated with where you got that idea from. Like what just made you think, yeah, I'm going to try this. I honestly, I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't wake up one morning and think 
I must mm. get an overdrive pedal, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, I, I, my, my husband is a guitarist. Um, and so, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, you know, being into, when I say metal, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit old school with that as well. So, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm you know, Judas Priest and Iron Maiden, Wasp, um, even Rat, yep. you know, and into this kind of like, mm-hmm. uh, decent hair metal or whatever they would call it anyway, that yes. sort of side so that's a that's a sound that i love um mm-hmm. so it was a very natural thing basically just to turn on a distortion or you know i mean obviously that's the yeah. first thing you, that you probably do anyway when you've got yourself multi-effects after you've gone crazy with your delays you then just try distortion and see what happens yeah. you know but yeah. that that the, that music uh is very very inspiring to me and that kind of um the, the 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 power that was available at that time given that people weren't necessarily detuning left right and center you know i mean it, things things mm-hmm. were largely in e for quite a long time you know yeah <laughs> and yeah, it's true so it's this 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 sound of like the dual guitars of, of, of priest or maiden um some of the production sounds of uh well i mean def leopard is a good example really but some of the way the vocals mm. are layered um similarly with jane's addiction actually jane's addiction was uh, uh very inspirational for me and i can come back to that later if you want but um, oh please do yeah <laughs> but those so those sounds that so so to me it, it was not an unnatural thing to try to do that but i yeah. had already uh, aligned myself with the fact that I was not likely to be a classical, you know, I was also not going to be a concerto girl. Uh, so, so, sure. you know, but to be honest with you, it took quite a long time before I managed to marry up everything that I did in the classical world with my love of, of metal. And now I think you'll find yeah. probably that's quite a common story amongst quite a lot of musicians. But at the time, mm. Um, mm. it wasn't actually that uh straightforward or or particularly common so you know it's where it took me quite a long time to to i suppose be be brave enough and funny enough now it's taken an equal length of time for me to be brave enough to play classical music in a metal setting which i've done quite a few times and most recently i did it at the, the, you know the did you go to the cult of luna festival at the forum in kentish town Uh, i did not know so uh i i um performed a concert there um, but I said to them, it was just performed the EU tour and the John Gom tour. So I said to them, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to play a normal gig, but I will play you an acoustic cello recital. And they said, all right then. So I did. So I played Bach and I played some pieces of my own to a metal crowd in the environment of a metal festival. And it uh-huh. worked really, really well. So, But that took me a long time to to feel that I had the uh, mm-hmm. wherewithal to bring that to that kind of stage. So it's been a real sort of... Uh, just a cross, it's a cross fade. It's a cross fade mm. on both sides. That's what that's what it is, really. That was a bit. That was a yeah. long answer. Sorry, and it wasn't really answering no. your question. <laughs> right. So, Joe, this is a podcast. There is no such thing as too long an answer. Uh-huh. It's you know, it's only a problem if you stop talking. Is, okay. uh, is no what problem. I find. <laughs> but no, there's a lot to unpack there, and this is something that I have a feeling is going to become a running theme in this series Mm. is this idea of cross blending different Mm. sounds and genres, right? Because I find listening to a lot of my favorite artists, I was listening to an interview with one of my favorite musicians ever yesterday. Um, it's a guy called Mark Tremonti. Mm. So 
Mark it in your diaries, folks. This is going to be one of many references that man's getting across the series until I drag him onto this podcast, <laughs> kicking and screaming. There, I've said it. Um, <laughs> but he's on a massive thing lately. So he's, you know, Creed Alterbridge is famous for doing these big, heavy ballads and anthems. The guy loves Frank Sinatra. Uh, and I listened to him talking about... Yeah, and I, I, I've watched him do a live performance of Frank Sinatra songs, and it was incredible. And hearing him recently talk in an interview and just saying about basically this idea of exploring genres... And that can happen at any point in your life. And it's exactly what you're talking about. It's about having that bravery as an artist to say, okay, this isn't what I'm known for. This isn't what people in my, I guess, field or scene or whatever you want to call it are necessarily known for. But I really like this and I just want to take a swing and have a go. And just having that bravery, it is bravery, absolutely, to just try it, you know, and have a go. And you're absolutely right. It does take guts to do that. But the fascinating thing is, I think, is when you do that, you, I think you're always guaranteed to find at least one person in the audience who will go, ooh, ooh, I quite like this. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see what you're doing. Yeah. And then you're off. You're off on a journey. 100%. 100%. I mean, I, I, I think it takes quite a long time as well. This is the benefit of, of having, having done it for a while and been around the block a few times. But I yeah. do not define myself. So this makes life mm -hmm. very difficult for obviously booking agents, promoters, people like that. But equally, <laughs> my audiences, they do not define, the majority of them do not define the genres that they are into. They are into music. Mm -hmm. Now it might be that they are particularly into mm -hmm. metal or they're into experimental or avant-garde or drone or doom metal or something whatever but but in yeah, yeah. my experience is that in, in my concerts there will be an extraordinary uh range if you like of, of people there um i've, I've, I've lost yeah. the better word for it uh of all sorts of things uh you know in terms of goth mm -hmm. uh as well you know all, all sorts of different genres that you might kind of identify or think of as, as a sort of a, a holding pen for people yeah. um None of us, so neither the performer nor the audience uh, are defined in that way. So the next, the mm. question these days now is, is how are the promoters and booking agents going to work with that? Because it may, as I say, it's very, very difficult. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the, that is the way I think that the markets are moving. So I wouldn't be surprised if you find that you have a lot of artists that you talk to who um, is, is even so far as to say that we don't even talk. I mean, I certainly don't talk about... Uh, cross genre anymore and I certainly don't talk about yeah. classical crossover because it's not that but that is that was a convenient mm. um when we when we when life was uh much more simpler and people were working in 8-bit you know then we could <laughs> we could have these types of genres <laughs> but we can't do that now and that's a good thing so yes yeah. I mean so so, so Mike and, and uh, uh, uh Frank Sinatra yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, that would make sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, give it a go. Yeah. You must uh, make available to yourself as wide a palette of music as possible, because only then mm. can you, I think, um, form an opinion. And if you don't like it, fine, but yeah. at least listen. You know. Yeah, I I completely agree, and it's it's something I've been on a bit of a journey myself in the last couple of years, especially doing this show. Mm. It's just reminded me of. In all areas of life, and music especially, you're so right. It's how do you get something new? Well, it's people picking out lots of different ingredients from lots of different areas. You know, mm -hmm. it, they, you have to. In other words, then you get something new. And you're right that the problem we get when you bring in essentially marketing, right, and selling it to an audience, it's 
maybe it's a necessary evil. Maybe it's something we should just do away with entirely. I, I don't know. But it is that frustrating discussion, you're right, of going, well, what is it? Go, well, it's a bit of this and it's a bit of that. And, it's a, and before you know it, you end up with so many different subgenres. I mean, metal's a great example. Yes. You say, oh, heavy metal music. And, you, and I, as someone who loves it, I go, okay, but what does that mean? Like, is it thrash metal? Is it speed metal? Is it doom metal? Is it, you know, and you can go on and on and on. And you can do that with every genre of music, right? Yeah. Exactly. If you, if you turn around and say to me, I like jazz. Like, okay, what kind of jazz, yeah. you know? And yeah. we can have a three-hour discussion about that. And But then you're not any closer to understanding it because really the answer is just go and listen to it. Yes. Someone just says, what is it? Yes. yes. It involves a cello and it involves some delay and distortion. Go and listen to it. <laughs> you know, okay, all right. You know, like if you say, this, like for example, John Gomm, you know, what does John Gomm do? I say, he plays an acoustic guitar and he does a lot of interesting things with tunings. Go and listen <laughs> yeah. to it. Like, because I, I couldn't tell you, yeah. I couldn't say, oh, he's folk or he's country or he's pop or he's like, no, it's none no, of those things, no, no. you know. And and I get that goes for so many artists these days. You're absolutely right. If you say, what are they? It's like, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they play an instrument, they sing or they don't sing. That's about as much as I can tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? Mm. It's I, I call it box thinking. Mm. I think it's a very understandable human thing where there's so much stuff in the world. Yes particularly where it's music, film, art, whatever. And I think our brains almost want to assess, okay, what am I getting into? Is it worth my time? Yeah. But I don't know, personally, I try to shut that thought out a lot more now and just go, I'm just going to go and experience yeah. it. And I'll know quite quickly whether I like it or not. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You see, this, this is, this is one of the character, uh, beautiful character traits of the uh, metal audience as a kind of broad genre uh, is that yeah. people are very, very willing to to listen, to give something a listen and then to form mm -hmm. an opinion. And I think probably it's it's a less kind of uh, disposable sort of mentality than, than maybe some of the other areas. I, I don't I don't mm -hmm. know. I mean, I, I, I'm not uh, very up in, you know, current, say, pop is a, is a broad genre so i don't know how sure. fleeting an appearance artists tend to make i mean obviously there's artists which are very established great songwriters in there but i know that mm. for the metal audiences i think they will they will, i know this for a fact because i've experienced it at concerts but they will mm. they will listen um and they will very often you know have have uh, return mm. to, for a second go if it's not quite if it if it didn't quite resonate the first time around or what have you. They're yeah. just they're always willing to to listen, and that's the greatest compliment that anybody can pay any artist. Really, I think. Yes, absolutely. I think a, uh, a friend of mine. I was talking to him about this about this style of music, and he kind of put it this way. He he thought of it as like because it's sort of like a fringe thing. Mm. Even though it's not, even though you could like any form of music, if you like it, chances are you will find thousands of people who feel the same way. Just go to a festival or a concert. Mm. There, there's, there are you know mm. your people mm. essentially. But because these things aren't necessarily popular mm. or in the mainstream, if you will, mm. I think it does create almost like a psychology of, and I and I resonate with this myself. And I, I wonder what you feel, Joe, of like just be, feeling like a little bit like an outsider mm. because of it. But then you can turn that around, and exactly as you say, you can, well, I think you can go two ways with it. You can either become more open-minded and think, well, okay, this person's on the fringe like me. I'm just going to give this a chance. 
or you become bitter and jaded and a gatekeeper. That's, <laughs> that's kind of one of the two. <laughs> and you get that in any community, yeah. frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yes, I mean, I, I, I would definitely agree with you from, from my own um, personal experience and opinion of my own music, if you like, that uh, yes, I yeah. am definitely uh, on on the periphery of something and I will always right. be that way. And uh, that's absolutely fine, you know, unless suddenly mm -hmm. uh, there's mm -hmm. some crazy move for, um, you know, the, the solo electric and acoustic cello players. I, I, I can't imagine it, but point is <laughs> <laughs> I, I operate uh, not in the mainstream and therefore... Sure. Um, so when I tour, if I'm touring as a support act or if I'm doing co-headline tour, whatever it is, it's quite an unusual um, concert, basically, just because it's it's not likely to to you know it's not, I'm not a band. I'm not doing what is what people normally expect to see. Nonetheless, quite often I'm playing mm. these quite big stages, quite big um, festivals, metal festivals and things. Um, mm. I get commissioned by festivals for for compositions, and these are people who are looking to explore. Uh, like for example, Roadburn Festival, who wanted to explore where classical music meets heavy music. And so they commissioned yeah. you know, the cartographer or commissioned a piece. So I wrote the cartographer and that was, nice. yeah, it was huge. So I wrote for eight trombones and piano, uh, two vocalists, uh, two percussionists and obviously me and violinist. Um, and we performed that, premiered it in Tilburg at 013 for Roadburn last year year before last now and the room was packed full of roadburn audiences and i was basically mm -hmm. playing performing a piece of pretty avant-garde contemporary music in this mm -hmm. metal festival and people loved it you know and that's what i'm yeah. saying about these audiences they 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 they're up for this they're also up for things which are not out of the box or people who are in on the edges yeah. of things in the periphery and, and and it means a lot i think that they feel quite sometimes quite invested and that's how i feel with mm. the audience of the, the particular people who are very very close uh who, who come with me you know a long way yeah. and and these mm. these people are part of the whole thing as well and that's if it's almost like a community that's built around the music it's really interesting it really, really is. You're absolutely right. And yeah, I think a big thing as well is if you kind of feel like you're on the periphery, as you mm. say, then something like music becomes that much more important to mm. you, right? It's something you identify with. It's something that I believe reaches your soul and like touches you deeply. Mm. So I think from an audience point of view, when you're watching somebody and you can tell that they feel that way about what they're doing, there is just like this connection of just like, oh, I see you. I see what's yeah. going on here. And yeah, yeah. that's something I wanted to touch upon with you as I noticed with you and with John, and hopefully I'll get to talk to him a bit later about this as well, is I could see when an artist is really connected to the music and what they're doing. And that's something that stood out to me, Joe, actually, when I was watching you. I was like, not only could I see what you were doing on a technical level, which was really impressive, but I could see, oh, she's embracing this and is feeling this musical journey so is that something that's really important to you then when it comes to writing and performing these songs yeah. is being connected with it yeah yeah 100 percent. because it, i mean it's very physical uh activity to play the cello anyway and when when i, and I, I yeah. tell people see if you whatever you're doing if you're playing an acoustic cello it's the same um mm -hmm. so your whole body plays the instruments you know uh not just your arms right. and your you know your your 
I mean, for example, okay, so uh, so when I work with a student, if they're first starting out, we, we think a lot about our pelvis and our hips, our legs, our backs, when we're sitting, you know, where our feet, even the jaw, all these things we think about when we're playing and then the weight of the body, the weight of the arms. So you have all of these things yeah. that you think about. When you go to the electric cello then, because uh, I play standing up, so um, part part of that reason is that obviously for operating the pedals, it's much easier, but also I feel it's, it's easier mm-hmm. to, to handle like Hellfest, for example. I can take the temple stage yes. standing up um, easier than if I'm sitting down. That's just all there is to it. So, <laughs> yeah. But mm-hmm. what it means is that this is a very physical experience to play this, to play this instrument and to play these pieces. And as such, it's almost like a dance. Uh, I can't really describe it any better, but um, but every part of the body, every fibre of the being is playing those notes. It's not just mm. the hand on the... Th- it, it's the, the whole... everything. And, and the story is being told. And it's almost like when I play, um, I, f- I am both present and wholly not present in the... In the in the sense of that you're you're aware it's like it's, it's time 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 operates in two ways of a very very fast and very mm-hmm. slow at the same time and you are there very there very connected very aware yet at the same time you're also above things and looking down it's very very strange experience but that all goes mm. into the performance and it's not um like a hat you can put on or an outfit. It just happens. You go to the stage and it's like the walls fall away and everything falls away mm. and there is no boundary and no barrier. And it's just you and the music and the audience. And it's this is this exchange of energies. And that's that's performance to me. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really powerful. And I gotta say, it really comes through on the live, wow, on the live okay. performance. And I don't think it's something you can fake either. No, I no, no, no. It's mm. I believe you're right. I believe you're right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Again, again, I believe this is a big thing of why, if you can get into a community, not just metalheads, I will say this at any fringe community when yes. it comes to music, you get fans for life because, again, I, th- I think the music means so much more to people than when it's just disposable, it's on the radio, mm-hmm. yeah, this was a bit of fun. You know, yeah, it's nice and choreographed. It's all good. And, and listen, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. No, 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 of course. Like, if, if you enjoy that, go for it. Yeah. But there is something different yes. when you go and you watch a performer and you say, oh, this is personal. Yes. What they're doing is personal. And they're letting me in on, on that. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. I'm going to follow this yeah. and see where this goes. Because it's, yeah, it's a really important thing. And it's really interesting to hear you say that as well. Because I guess from the outside looking in, you could watch someone like yourself and think, there's a lot that she's doing on a technical <laughs> level. You know, A, you're playing a very challenging instrument. B, you're tapping various pedals and <laughs> thinking okay now i add this effect now i do this but to do all of that and then have the ability to just also remember to breathe and connect with what you're doing it's it's very impressive it has to be said <laughs> i you. think most of us myself included would just be panicking the whole time <laughs> oh thank you harley <laughs> So uh, I don't know. Remembering to breathe is is uh, you know fairly fairly useful. I know what you mean. Though. I mean that's why I talk to people <laughs> about the jaw because quite often people yeah the jaw and, and and the you know their jaw is tense and and I I remember mm. I, I had a great teacher once who would encourage uh, practice with the most incredibly stupid facial expressions. But I know why because if you're pulling these faces, you cannot have tension in the jaw. You see, and then if 
Interesting. Yeah, and you remove that yeah. tension around the top of the face and into the top of the neck. If that tension's gone, chances are you're not going to build it, or at least not build it as much anywhere else in the body. Yes. So, yes. It's very interesting. <laughs> no, it makes total yeah. sense, actually. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, it's something I get taught a lot in lessons um, mm -hmm. with both vocals and, and guitar is yes. exactly what you're talking about, being that awareness. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's very true. <laughs> Especially when nerves kick in. Yeah, your body just yeah. picks a random area and goes, I'm going to hold all the tension yeah. here. Yeah. So, and, and that's not going to help you, is it? If you're trying to no. get across the energy and the performance of what you're doing, yeah. for sure. So right. So right. Mm. So, I mean, I want to kind of go back a little bit to something you said towards the start. And I think it plays into what you said as well about the technical side of this, like how you've discovered this. And that's the element of play in music. Yes. So I want to know, is that where you start? with or is, or is that the mentality rather that you start with when it comes to composing a new piece of music is it just i'm going to play an experiment and just see what happens yes yes and no i mean there's a couple of ways that mm -hmm. i start off in writing so so okay. sometimes uh i will I, I will be doing a normal practice if you like yeah you know, okay. or whatever you know or just a simple scale even you know nothing dramatic yeah um, and something will happen. Uh, I'll, I'll be quite often. I practice when I'm doing that kind of practice. I do it without uh, with the television on silence, so that my conscious brain is not interfering with like what the the physical body is doing. And that's quite. I find that's a good way to uh. get, get around it because you know, as soon as your mind focuses in, as soon as your mind says to you, "I've got to hit a, a major ninth in a minute shift," you know, then you will never ever hit it ever in a million years. But if one you're not thinking about it, mm. uh, then you'll always hit it. So this, I find that quite useful. Anyway, so I'm playing away, and then sometimes mm. something I will do something which is not what I had fully intended to do, and that could become the DNA of a new piece. So whether it's a a, a musical phrase or something like that, other times it will yeah. be that I do. I I've got one of my sounds that I've made. A couple of times this has happened. For example, I've I've built some percussion sounds which are intended to be hit or or tapped percussively, and I've both them. Rea Pavan is an example for this. So the starting sound in this piece called Rea Pavan is um, mm -hmm. a very very strange broken sound. It's actually uh, what I'm. It's one of the kick drums I made that I bowed by accident, and and the, because the EQ oh. thing, the, the the shape of the EQ and the, and the processing uh, the the signal chain is so peculiar that the sound broke immediately and then and then so it kept thing, flicking in and out of focus uh, and and so that became mm. a piece you know so those so yes in in a sense it's that kind of thing just experimenting um other times if i've got a phrase that i like, like it's a piece i'm currently working on as a phrase can take years harley to be honest with you but i have a phrase yeah. that i like and i just keep playing it eventually like it's like a, you just go round and round and round until you fly off at a tangent and then you've got somewhere else with it but that can take a very long time um but with the cartographer for example that began with a piece of poetry that i wrote five line piece of prose and then with this poem i then I made a grid system so that the letters of the alphabet and punctuation corresponded to musical notes or rests or this nice. type of thing. Yeah. And then I made it basically like like a drawing, like a magic sigil that you would draw. So I took all of the vowels out um, and all of the conjunctions. And then what, what I had left after that was basically the 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 very very dry bare bones of what the first of what the violin plays. And that's the theme of the whole piece of that entire 
theme is how I built all mm. the 45 minutes of music. So in some shape or form, it's yeah. got this in there or bits of it, you know. Um, so there's various different ways that I that I go about yeah. uh, writing. Um, it's... Incredible. <laughs> uh, just, again, lots to unpack. The thing that the first thing that jumps out to me is that being open to what you're experiencing, uh -huh. if that makes yes. sense. So like you say, a certain note that might just, ooh, what was exactly. that? Yeah. I'll go back or, oh, that sound I made. Okay. I yeah. don't know where it's going just yet, yes. but I want to bank that for later. And it's something I've heard a lot of musicians talk about, about this idea of having like a database or like a bank of just oh, God, yeah. unused yeah. like ideas, but not being afraid of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because totally. you, don't, you never know which one's going to come back around. You go, oh, that thing goes with this thing. Exactly, and we go. exactly. Very yeah. often, funny you say that, but very often I find mm. that I've I've have written one piece in two separate I think it's two pieces and it's not, it's in fact one piece, but it's just taken like right. 18 months to bring them together, you know? <laughs> and it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, then, then finally I realise what I've done and, and it's, you know, it's okay then. <laughs> and I imagine that's quite an amazing moment yes. when you realise that they just come together. Yes, 100%, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, finally. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing um, that stood out to me was this idea of, I mean, what you just described with the cartographer, this idea of, having a theme, am I right in thinking that's a melodic theme? Yes. That's like what, what some would perhaps call a top line, yes. right, where there's some melody in the middle. And yeah. is that sort of what you usually focus on when it comes to writing, mm, what you try to structure around? No, I mean, it, it, especially okay. with, with looping. I mean, so the cartographer is a standalone yes. thing because because that was fully yeah. orchestrated. And the, the two I've just yes. released, Invocation and Supplication, both of those were quite fully orchestrated as well. So when mm -hmm. you're looping, um, I, well, I say to people, uh, just actually, as far as possible, don't don't sort of commit yourself uh, for as long as possible. Don't commit yourself to either a chord sequence or, or anything. So basically, the best possible way to start off if you're looping is to loop something which is in the centre of your register, where what is your voice, your instrument, okay. whatever else. Because then, if you if you so so in my case, that would be anything around middle C. Let's pretend we looped middle C. Okay, fine. So we have this running. Mm -hmm. Then we still have the option to go above and to go below. So we can create a theme. So this is the yeah. idea. Okay, so we're going to make a little simple theme that that can sit on our C loop, you know, for argument's sake. Mm -hmm. We can then harmonise that in a variety of different ways, obviously, depending on what our yeah. theme is like. Um, but as all the while that we haven't committed any harmonic structure to the loop, um, again, pretending we're working with a single loop channel. So this is a simply very simple form of starting out with these things. All the while we're not committed, we can still move. But the moment we commit to a baseline and we loop it in, then we are stuck yeah. there because uh, we're stuck more or less. I mean, this again, this is this is very, <laughs> uh, you know, um, is we're talking on a podcast. I'm talking about looping and I don't have a cello with me. And, you know, in, in a okay. workshop environment, yeah. it's much easier to demonstrate this because, of course, obviously yes. you're never stuck. I mean, if you want to be very atonal, then you can have a bass line and then you can run a minor second under the whole thing. Who cares? Fine. But in terms of yeah. uh, uh, diatonic harmony. <laughs> yeah. Giving giving yourself a structure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, in actual fact, I'm... I'm because I'm a cellist as well, so orchestrally speaking, I'm kind of part of the low end of the orchestra. So I'm very used to listening from the bass up. So very often I'll be thinking actually um, about the bottom end of, of of what I'm doing, and and any kind of tune 
that creeps in is largely by accident unless it's by design like the cartographer so um yeah it's not you know humming along is not yeah yeah (laughs) no it's that's fascinating genuinely because i think most people when it comes to songwriting and again i'm just thinking from like a band songwriter perspective you usually it's usually melody first it's usually like oh i've got a a little tune and then i'll build all of the rhythm and all of the other layers yes but it almost feels like you're like doing the opposite, yes. which is really interesting. But it makes sense given your background well, and what you're used that's to thinking it, of. You see, because it depends when you're talking about bands and things, it depends who is yeah. writing, really. Because if the vocalist is yeah. writing, then quite likely they'll probably either have a great li- line, lyric, set of lyrics, yeah, yeah. Um, even just one line, which is enough to start it. Or they'll be have been humming a little refrain for, you know, two and a half weeks that's driving them mad. And then yes. maybe they might get together with the guitarist who will do something or perhaps they will play guitar as well or whatever else, you know, this type of scenario. Um, or the guitarists say, I have this fantastic riff and then, you know, the song mm. singer will take away. Um, but I, the, I, I, some, yeah, sometimes I write a great riff and it's brilliant. Those are the ones that take the longest actually, because the riff's great, but I'm like, well, what am I going to do with that? You know? <laughs> so uh, I think you, you, yeah, it depends who's, who's writing, but as you say, for me, because, um, because of, my background and the way I've been, if you like, musically kind of brought up, so to speak, then there's very many different ways uh, that, that I can begin. Um, but the biggest thing for me is the structure of the piece. So if I'm thinking about a piece that I am going to mm-hmm. perform as a soloist, so looped cello yes. or even acoustic solo cello, but not with mm-hmm. an ensemble, then that's probably the largest consideration is how am I going to make this a performable piece of music with the equipment Mm -hmm. I have, which is very advanced, but still nonetheless has its limitations because I I am a soloist. That's my limitation is that I haven't got eight arms basically. (laughs) So I I can't uh, come crashing in, you know, with with loads of percussion and a massive riff and a huge bass line all at the same time, because I've I've got to do it bit by bit. So how am I going to do that and still make this piece as big, broad, strong, small, fragile, intimate, whatever I'm trying to do with it. How am I going to do that in a way which people will not sit there, which which, which has uh, integrity? That's what I want to say. Yes. Which, how am I going to say? That's my biggest concern is not really the melody or the bass or, you know, the filler or anything else. Uh, it's structurally, how am I going to do this? What do I need to do in order to make this work? And if, and then that's where mathematics starts getting involved because it's very uh-huh. often it will be a case of what's the what's the lowest uh, d- division of bars that I can work. So so yes. you know, and then if I can have a bar with 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 two beats in it, then I can have one loop running with just four beats in it. And then like with the uh, mm. uh, forge. Um, as a piece of mine, there's a big demonstration mm-hmm, on, mm-hmm. on on YouTube that I did for Boss. Um, anyway, this piece is exactly this type of thing. It had it had a big kind of riffy chord sequence, but right. So yes. how the hell am I going to set this up? Well, okay, I've set it up because the structure, that main riff with big chord sequence, is sixty beats, or therefore four bars of fifteen eight long. Mm. So 
two of my loops are running at only one bar cycles because that way I can chop stuff in. Two of them are running at two bar cycles so I can get things flopping over the top. And then I run the I run the the one bar cycle, I run it in fives because that's 15 beats. The two bar cycle, I run it in sixes because that's 30 beats. So you can do you right. can do that. So, you know, so so. Um, anyway it works <laughs> and so what you what you've done then is is within the space of three bars you've managed to set up a percussive um or, or, or rhythmic interest which appears to be kaleidoscopic which actually is returning on itself all the time yes. but it has the appearance of being like a kaleidoscope and so we feel that there is uh, some some interest, uh, some uh, some compositional interest, movement, shape, which we can then play with. And once you've got that set up, then everything else mm. is pretty simple to bring in and out. But you just it was little yeah. tiny little tricks like that. Uh, if you're a soloist, very very useful, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> De no, I you I think you're so spot on. You have definitely got to think about the live aspects. Yes. I think. Particularly in your in your range of of music, yes. I would be surprised and worried if you weren't thinking yes. about it. If you were just like, "Oh, figure out on the day, it'd be yeah. fine." Yeah. But this a thing that kind of jumps out to me there is not only do you seem to be obviously considering the technical and the mathematics of it all, which you know I think all musicians we have to resign ourselves to learning that stuff at some point or another because mm -hmm. it's important. Uh -huh. But it's the feel yeah. is what's jumping out to me here is yeah. something you said a minute ago was what's the intentionality yeah. behind this piece yeah. of music? How do I want the audience to feel? How do I want to feel yeah. performing yeah. it? And is that the most important thing then when it comes to composing a song for you, really? Yeah. As, as much as you've got the structure, you've got everything else is what am I trying to get out of this what am i saying exactly right exactly yeah. harley is it's so it's so important and it depends it depends on the concert setting as to how much i will say about each piece but uh every right. single piece has has um has a story also sometimes i don't say very much because my story is not your story so okay might be that okay. could be my story of how i've written the piece why i've written it but you as an audience member are very free to make your own stories. And in fact, people will come uh, and tell me their stories, you know, often after a concert, yeah. very beautiful things or wild or crazy ideas. And uh, it's great that the piece gave them that space, you know, and it's completely mm -hmm. different from my intention as a writer, but I don't care because as soon as you perform mm -hmm. a piece of music, it's not yours anymore. You, it, that's, that sounds negative. What mm. I mean is you've set it free. So yes, you've written yes. it, you've been sitting here in your room, like my room here, crafting, 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 and then you get to a stage and it the first time in my case that I perform any piece, it's normally terribly dodgy because obviously, you know, <laughs> running it off in a live setting, my God. But it's it's then begins to have an identity of its own, you know, and so... Yes. Uh, and and mm. you know you can you, you can work with that that's that's pretty good but all, all of them i mean mm. yeah they, like five incantations is a good example i mean that's a whole album of, mm -hmm. of the earth air fire water and spirit uh an exploration of each of like the cardinal energies in that one sometimes right. i say that and sometimes i don't say it um mm. it just depends on the vibe i'm getting from the room really um <laughs> I love it. No, I love it. It's the thing. The biggest thing I'm getting out of this is that being responsive to to the music. Yes. Yes. 
and letting that help you then craft the song yes, and the piece right. and not necessarily being too worried about what direction it's going and it's just yeah. Well, let's just feel it out. Yeah, 100%. Because, you know, yeah. I think uh, arts in general, I mean, particularly composition in music, if you, mm -hmm. I mean, there are moments when you need to work hard to get something finished or whatever. But if you are, mm. if you ever have a sensation that you are really trying to push and push and push at something, it's probably not right. And I would say mm -hmm. this to any of my students, I'll say, say it to anybody as well, that if, it, sometimes the best thing to do in those situations, you, you know, so you can't force a piece into a framework. You have to sometimes sit and let it develop. And then after a while, it, it might reveal its identity or its intention to you. But if for the time being, it's just a series of notes, that's absolutely fine because yeah. that's your duty to serve those notes and to play them over and over again until you understand what it is that needs to happen next, you know? Um, yeah. But it's, yeah. yes, it's, it's a very strange, it's very, very, very strange, very strange experience, I think, writing music. It's mm. wonderful. but <laughs> Yeah. But I guess being in tune with that feel and that sort of intentionality, does that help you to then know when it's finished? Yeah. Oh, God, that's the great really, question ever, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> it's like I, I did, you know, when you release or when I release an album, uh, uh -huh. that is very often the the start point of that piece of music. So absolutely, mm. without question, every single time I've released a record, uh, the piece has then gone on, the music has gone on and, and developed. And the biggest case in point probably is a piece, the first track on my first album as a soloist is, was, is called Rex. And I play that now. I didn't play it for years. I play it now in the set. It's a completely different piece with certainly a completely different intention behind it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got a big development. It's got broad, massive, huge sounds in there. Um, bears very little resemblance to the original, but it is the original piece. But that was its journey, you see. And so mm. it took me 12 years to recognize what that piece was doing <laughs> now uh, 12 it, years yeah, because i released that one in in 2000 and oh okay 10 years i released it in 2010 and then i uh -huh. i got it out of the box in 2020 and it was only in 2020 that i was able to play that piece as i believe a, a mm. crumb in my mind had an idea of of how that piece should be, but I wasn't able to, yes. to do that at the time, you see. So now I am. And so I'm very mm. interested to see how it will be in 20 years time from now. Yeah. <laughs> who knows, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Who knows? It's again, I, I love that idea though of letting things evolve yes, in that is, way. Yeah. It's yeah. It's kind of like how I think a lot of bands, when you hear them interviewed about certain songs that, you know, the big hits, mm -hmm. And then live, they'll do it slightly differently. I think one, just so, you know, variety, mm -hmm. but two, I think it's like, yeah, they probably would approach this differently now. Like you said, yeah. like the way they react to the song. Yeah. It makes sense. You would feel completely different about it 10 years on yeah. and therefore would play it differently or approach it differently. Yeah. I always think it would be an interesting experiment if, I mean, if I could say in a theory that you could just wipe someone's mind and then say, get them to rewrite that song. <laughs> 10 years later and then see what happens yeah. i'd be really fascinated to, to try that yeah. and to see like yeah how would you approach it now and yeah yeah but that's cool and as a performer you could you could do that right you can kind of go do you know what i'm going to change up the arrangement here well, i'm going to just play around should. with it for a little bit i mean yeah i think that's quite important in, in my personal view is that um mm -hmm. live performance 
is the vehicle to make these amendments and alterations and experimentations with your piece. I mean, yeah, there's mm. a great version on the album. Fine. I mean, nobody, I, I don't think really wants to go to a gig to hear an album, uh, you know, mm. yeah, it's, an, it's a tricky yes. one, isn't it? Cause it's like, I, I guess it depends on the type of music that yes. you're going to. Yes, of course. True. But, very true. But, but I do agree. I think, I think if somebody does something slightly differently, mm. There was a part of me that years ago would be a bit like, oh, that's wrong. But, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> it's just, but then as, as I've gotten older and I've, I kind of appreciate it, I'm like, no, that's cool. They're trying something slightly different. Mm. And you're absolutely right. It's, it, mm. I think as I think about it, actually, there's a bunch of bands that I think of where like I've seen them live so many times. Mm. And if you hear the same song and they're played the same way every time, it does get a little bit repetitive. It does get, a li- there's just a little bit of you that goes, Oh, go on, have a bit of yeah, fun. Go on, just yeah, yeah. have a jam, play it. And so when I see certain bands change it up slightly, yeah, yeah. or they'll do they'll jam it out, or they'll do a slow intro, or just anything, you nice, get good feeling. Nice, and, yeah. it, and it makes it interesting and it makes it exciting, yeah. right? It's like as an audience member, you're like, it feels like you're hearing it for the first time again. Of course, of course it does, yeah. It's I, I mm. think it's it's great. I also think it shows uh a uh, you know conf- confidence and a sort of an authority as as a performer yeah. and as a band yeah. you know and the fa- and a great mm-hmm. great musicianship mm-hmm. definitely especially if you're working in a band environment and I, I think also um well for me anyway i mean it's 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 uh, it's a 50-50 sort of that, that that's going to happen because i'm live looping so if i yeah. go wrong um then i have I have only one option, which is to great tour manager that, that I have sometimes. He, he says that there is only one option. <laughs> so, anyway, my one option in, <laughs> in the event that I go wrong is, is to create a piece of music out of whatever the hell I've just done, because I, I will, mm. I cannot stop um, because that's yeah. not professional. And I can't, uh, it, if I'm working on something which is very, very specifically timed, then I cannot get mm-hmm. out of it. There's that's, that's all there is. So if I've made yeah. a mistake, well, you know, we're in it for the long haul. So, mm. you know, people, <laughs> that's, that's how it goes. So you just get on with it. And then a very great new piece is created that will never ever happen again. And um, normally <laughs> no one notices, but I, I tell them anyway so <laughs> <laughs> well admire your honesty yeah well you know <laughs> <laughs> mm. Mm. But isn't that kind of cool though that that means that people in that room could hear something potentially that they'd never hear again 100 yeah, you know, percent. that's yeah. and and that's what it's all about right totally. it's the experience yeah. and then that's what you're going for i suppose yes. is invoking a feeling yes. with that piece of music so Technically, Joe, you haven't made a mistake. You've just done exactly what you wanted to do, <laughs> <Exactly>. just slightly <laughs> differently. That's right. Yeah. 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 See, yeah. it's it's fine. It's fine. The intention was yeah, correct. That's right. Yeah. You got there. <laughs> so I'm thinking about this next sort of year then for you in songwriting. What do you plan on doing? Do you do you plan on doing like another concept or any sort of orchestral stuff, or is it just kind of you're going to experiment a bit more with the pedals? Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got two performances. Uh, I can't, unfortunately, I can't reveal any information about at this moment in time. But they're both okay. um, big orchestral ones. Um, nice. Yes, they're very nice, very big ones. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And at the same time, so I'm currently finishing these orchestrations, uh, and I'm also about to take a leap off uh, into beginning my next uh, album my next studio album if you like so mm-hmm. so a solo cello record um but obviously you know there'll be lots of bits and pieces 
guests and things. But I'm actually, mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've, I've got got. I've got the DNA of the entire album, but it can right. take me a long time to write. Um, so mm. I, I couldn't tell you. It could it could be done this year, ready for a release in the mm-hmm. spring next year. I might finish it next week, but either way, I mean, vine, mm. vinyl manufacture times are quite long lead times at the moment, so it's not not going to yes. be out for a while. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that does seem to be holding a lot of people up these days. Yeah. It, I mean, it's vinyl is pretty necessary for the majority of people who are mm-hmm. in this type of field because people will, people like to support. And if you put time and care into your yes. records, then they will buy those records. And that is the way Good. my wheel keeps turning, basically, is, is through merchandise. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, yes, there are, there are delays. They are easing a little bit, mm. but there are also quite a lot more pressing plants on the go. The thing that causes that has caused me uh, a massive, massive problem stating the obvious here is Brexit because I cannot sell into right. Europe by mail anymore. Um, well, I mm. could, but so I've got every, anything that's not released on By Norse. By Norse did the cartographer and invocation supplication. Everything else is on my own label, Adderstone Records. So I've mm-hmm. got um, a great friend in Belgium who basically acts as my distribution um, but wow. yeah, it, but you need, you, you need a great friend if you're going to try yes. and do it, you know, because it's, mm. oh my God. Mm. I mean, honestly, Harley, I don't want the overnight, my market mm. disappeared, you know, and I don't blame them, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, mm. it's why mm. would you pay and then have to pay import and then pay loads for postage as well? I mean, you, yeah, I can yeah. say that your parcel has nil value, but that doesn't stop mm-hmm. You know, some enthusiastic person at customs still s- sticking, you know, the the imports on. So, I don't, yeah, you know. I know things like that. Idea it's caused a lot of hassle. Um, I don't really get political on this podcast. But no, yeah, that, that, but that does seem to be a thing that's caused a lot of issues for a lot of musicians. It's worth acknowledging, like you say, merchandise, touring as well. I know it's become very expensive in the UK for people outside of the yes, UK coming in. Yes, of, of, of like, course. Yeah, I've heard, heard a lot about that. Yeah. So you kind of hope that these things will change over time. And they will. They you know. will. Yeah. Uh, they will. Yeah. They, 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 they will. It, you know, uh, yeah, we won't go down that road. But I mean, basically, I, I just, <laughs> yes, they will. They will change. But you might want to edit that whole mm. lot out, though. Cause I, I, no, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's worth acknowledging as well, because, again, that's all part of the artist's journey. Yeah. Right. Is, is accepting all of that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's easier for pe- people who are starting off now. Uh, mm. will not know any different you know it's like people it's like the whole the whole digital media thing um mm-hmm. it doesn't mm-hmm. uh it's always been there as far as i'm concerned so right. people uh it, it's, it's a necessary evil this is why i have this attitude that i have to live music as well because i mean my, my sure. spotify numbers are very low apparently i don't know because you see harley i don't use spotify because <laughs> I buy a record if I like it, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I maybe will ask mm. Ruben, ask my husband, who's this artist if I hear it on his Amazon account and he'll tell me. Sure. And then I'll buy sure. even just that track. That's how I do things. And people, the, I know uh, that, pe- mm. that it's, it's the live performance. It's, it's that environment which is so 
precious mm-hmm. and so special to people. And so that's why I'm as fixated on that as, as I clearly appear to be in this podcast. Because <laughs> Yeah, it, no, it's, it's, it's lovely. So important, yeah. you know, that live to be yeah. in a room together. And it doesn't matter if there's three people there or 30,000 people, doesn't matter. You know, it's, it has, mm. it's still... Uh, it's the the experience of the live. I mean, that's quite a big stage, to be fair. But all right, let's say three people <laughs> or or three hundred people or six thousand. Right. right, so something that's like you know that we're all familiar. With. Yeah. It even. I mean, even. No, I mean, let's say 80,000 million. I'm thinking about Queen, for example. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that man, Freddie Mercury, had that mm. power to reach every single one of those people. You know, mm. and that is. That is magic, surely. If if, if it is. nothing else is, that is that is magic. Mm. I think, um, and that this is what I love about live music, Joe. So, is yes. is being. I've been in rooms where it's like, like you say, like fifty people, mm. and then I've been in stadiums where it's fifty thousand, mm. and the feeling is the same. Yes, yes. And I love yes. that. I love that. Uh, it's why I'm so fascinated in this subject. And again, yes, it's of course. and it all starts with songs. It all starts with people coming up with music. Yes in their head or like you say playing around and that that journey from that concept as you say of just playing around in your room and just oh okay i like this idea and let's see where it goes to now you're sharing it with people and people are responding to it and associating a memory with it and having a connection and they'll tell other people about it and it's it's just magic i think it's just magic it is it is i mean that's that's a word i often use i often use for music and Mm. energies change in a room now okay we could say down to physics so what we could say if we liked is that we're going (laughs) to play a piece of music and what we're going to do there is put a load of vibrations through a pa system which is going to move airwaves and therefore the environment is going to change around people but at the same time yes okay so that's a practical thing but we're also Mm. uh sound 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 okay vibration maybe like a sun or something you know it's a vibrational mm-hmm. you know very very encompassing experience but is we, we are creating a space with sound and mm-hmm. in that space perhaps neural processes are permitted uh, perhaps something something happens so that mm-hmm. uh, a different experience um uh, i can't phrase this correctly um it, it, the possibility of magic basically can happen. Space, you yeah. are permitted or permit yourself or uh, seize a space um, that just at mm. that moment in time you can exist in. That's the power of music. Um, mm. For audience, performer alike, doesn't matter. And you can be in that space and then yeah. things change. Uh, or yes. in, in, you know, not we don't, we don't grow a third arm or something, but some it, it, <laughs> it opens possibilities. It opens the possibility. It does. Things that's it does. You know, and that's that. I think is 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 so important. Uh, I do wish I could phrase this better. I must really try harder next time. I'm trying to think myself, Joe. It's fine, uh, but it, but this is why I use the word magic because I'm no. like I don't understand no, it. It's fine. I don't, but it, but it's beautiful. Yes. It's like, yeah, Perfection. I think what we're, what we're talking about is it's, mm. it's just something that I think we'll, we'll be studying for time immemorial is human emotional responses to anything. Right. And this is why I love arts, why yeah. I like music in just all of its forms. It's like yeah. the, the idea that you can take a few notes, like you say, a few frequencies, mm. some sounds, mm. and it makes you react in your brain. Mm. Mm. 
and you cry or you laugh mm. or you smile or you get angry mm. or whatever. It's like, again, it just blows my mind. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it blows my mind that we can do that, yeah. you know, and, and there's so many different ways of doing mm. it, which is what's beautiful. Mm. And yeah, this is the journey I'm hoping to share with everybody mm. as, as, as I go on this series. It's like, cool. yeah, 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 check check this out. And this is the different people's approaches. And, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's lovely to hear you express that, Joe, that that's something that's really important to you. Mm in your what you do it's 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 lovely to hear and it's also very reassuring because i think personally i think we need more people like yourself creating music that are genuine about it yeah. that actually care you Thank know you. I, again to me that that's the most important thing <laughs> when i watch an artist i don't care now what genre what thing you do it's like if i can sense that like yeah, yeah. they love yeah. this 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 is coming from in here yeah you've yeah, got yeah. me as far as i'm yeah. concerned Oh, that's great. It's wonderful to know that, you know, that people, there are people like you around. <laughs> yeah, oh, there's loads of us. There's loads of us. Mm. People that spend way too much. I mean, I, do you know what? I wish I could turn my camera around because I'm just looking up and I'm like, I'm staring at a board of tickets. And oh, good for you. Love, posters. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, it's it's what I love to do. Yeah. I'm going to a gig next week with my sister-in-law, my yeah. wife, and it's like, it's what I do because I love live music. Yeah. I love, yeah, I love being in that room and like you said, fantastic. being in that space, yes. being in that energy. Yes, yes, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Experiencing it. Fantastic. It's magic. It's magic. Yeah. So I look forward to hearing what you're going to do in the next year, Joe, whatever <laughs> form you. it takes. Like I've been, I genuinely have been enjoying a lot of your work this week. I was even listening to, um, I was listening to Exolve this morning oh, at yeah. the gym and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite different for me to be listening to some instrumental sort of classic themed music yes, but yes felt powerful i won't lie <laughs> so, <laughs> some of the build-ups were really helpful <laughs> this morning you could, <laughs> i was struggling <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's just, suddenly there was a big surge of energy from one of your songs i was like yes we can do this <laughs> there's a there's a guy who um who wrote to me on um uh, instagram who's a he's a, a, a Big, uh, very beautiful uh, man. What do you call it? very big power lifter and you know strong man. Oh right, okay. And he mm -hmm. had made a film uh, a bit of doing a bit of his his movement stuff um, using stag, mm -hmm. white salt stag. And I was like, oh my god, I never heard that side of stag. But it was like that he said, it's this yeah constant. It's like it's not particularly not like exolve like particularly big, but it's this constant drive of energy. You know, which he mm. said was very uplifting. So I was like, oh great, well. Maybe you know fitness music is uh, my next genre then <laughs> there you go that's this is what you got to do you got to take your vinyls and go to gyms yeah. <laughs> say trust me trust me uh, i've had some feedback it. yeah it's brilliant <laughs> yeah my mm. wife goes to a powerlifting gym i should uh should get some cds and send them yes. over <laughs> that's brilliant. why not but again it's like we joke but it's like why not i kind of like yeah people it's like you said earlier it's You've put it out there. It's how people respond to yeah, it. it, and it's going to be different everywhere. Of course, it's, it is really cool. It is. It's really I'll tell you cool. what else for the record as well is that I, um, mm. when I have done, when I when I have finished a tour, like when I met you, I just finished a European tour, mm. and I was sort of part way through the tour with John. And mm -hmm. I, I liken what I do to 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 like a massive like a gig basically for me. It's a huge, mm -hmm. it's massive like physically. Yeah, it's like the the. the physical energy that goes into performance as well yeah. it's huge and at the end of a tour i'm like oh check out the biceps you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i bet i bet um, again i i hear i hear this a lot in interviews and yeah i think it is 
it must be exhausting in so many ways. And yeah, you must feel like you've been through the ringer. It's very funny. Yeah, it's all the things you yeah. don't think about. But it's, it, it's, it, I think about these pictures of, you know, these sort of Victorian ladies playing the cello and everything's all very mm-hmm. nice and sort of, or, you know, or, or, you know, Baroque cellists and things. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, that's the furthest from the truth. I feel, I've, <laughs> they were like some like war horse by the end of it, you know? <laughs> yeah. But you, you know they were absolutely ripped underneath all of those courses. That's, that's right. Everything. Yeah, yeah were, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were dragging the, that wagon home, no problem. Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> it's amazing. No, it's amazing. Ah, oh, brilliant. I'm just, I'm just wondering as well. So, something I wanted to ask you. We've kind of danced around this already, but what are your sort of biggest influences when it comes to your songwriting? I'm really curious about this. I mean, oh, you've yes. touched upon a lot of the stuff that you like, but yeah, is there, are there any influences that you draw upon for your writing? Yes, uh, they're, they're multiple and, and varied uh, and they're not all musical mm-hmm. as well. So, so I suppose obvious mu- musical uh, influences would obviously be like we discussed before, um, uh-huh. you know, the, the metal things, the particularly mm-hmm. anything that came mm-hmm. out in 1987 is particularly like has a soft spot in my heart um likewise uh, love it excellent yep. i'm good company mm-hmm. um yep. also uh <laughs> i mean composers other parts uh, uh john taverner um what's mm. his name bloke who did curse upon iron uh tomless uh forgotten i'll have to look him up for you i i do you know what yeah. i can do a google for you and i can pop in my google theme here oh what's his name it's time to Google. Curse upon Curse iron. Curse upon iron. Yeah. Um, I should have said before. I occasionally do jingles and weird stuff in this show. Okay. So, bear in mind. Uh, I've got. Uh, Veljer Torme. Yeah, Torme. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. That's him. He's an Estonian composer. Curse upon iron Ooh. is incredibly powerful piece of music, and that's actually that's mm. one I'm drawing upon quite a lot in the orchestration that I'm doing for uh, the thing I can't tell you about, unfortunately, but I will tell you about it <laughs> as soon as I can. Um, so those composers, um, I mean, of the other obvious, I mean, you know, Debussy is a very obvious one um, as well. The beautiful writing. Mm. I mean, even I, I, I often refer to quite early music too. Um, so whether it's um, Thomas Tallis, for example, or, or any of these types of people, you know, so there's many, many things that go on uh, there musically um mm-hmm. sometimes things like like yeah it's just drone based stuff as well um mm-hmm. yeah definitely uh electronic music um anyway so there's all sorts of bits and pieces musically um but i very 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 often refer to uh t.s Eliot four quartets particularly little gidding um oh, yeah. i read over and over again over and over again and i think there is great musicality in in the rhythm of the language and if you speak if you read aloud to yourself or to anyone who's standing around uh read naturally the the inflections of the voice is very great musicality there as well and so so this is very important to me that particularly that particularly little getting um but all of the four quartets and i mean you know much more literature as well but that one that one is the one i refer to and and art as well so so visual art so i 
often think about Barbara Hepworth, for example, in fact, for many reasons. I mean, not not just because she was a woman, but because she, at, at this time, was creating these absolutely gigantic sculptures, huge, huge sculptures, statements on the landscape she was making, you know. And mm. she, her, one of her big kind of, things was was that i'm sorry i'm so so inarticulate tonight god knows why no no you're fine you're <laughs> but fine. she uh for her the the sculpture was you're fine that's the sculpture but where is it going to be positioned and i think this is a very musical way of looking at things yeah. as well because on, on what is the backdrop that we will seat yeah. our sculpture now whether you consider the composition as the sculpture and the backdrop is the stage you know or perhaps the sculpture is one aspect of the composition and the backdrop, the, the landscape is the rest of the composition. It doesn't matter how you view it, but it's this exchange. Right. And then well, the last thing I want to tell you about this, uh, I'll shut up in a minute, mm. is that Georgia O'Keeffe. <laughs> so this is, I use this a lot when I teach Georgia O'Keeffe, uh, very beautiful painter. Um, so again, yes. again, big, big flower. It's big things. It's quite, quite, you know, obviously, uh, you know, bones, quite, quite uh, defined colour, very sensual. Um, so there's a very important in music, I think, so this sensual aspect. But Georgia O'Keeffe, mm. she had a wonderful phrase, and I tell my students this. So she said, uh, I began uh, in, with the charcoal on paper until I could go no further. And then I added mm -hmm. blue, you know, and I love this. And so I say to people, <laughs> okay, this is how we do it. So we start with a very, very simplest thing. What is the basic thing that we can do with our music or with our playing? And till we can go no further, or particularly uh, with, with, with looping, how far can we go just with this very, very basic thing? Then we're going to add the one component. And then, of course, after that, we go on and on. But this very, this wonderful idea that you have this charcoal, simply you have this simple very simple, very natural approach. And then mm. after that, you, you go on with, you know, rather than uh, opening a gigantic palette of 128 colours, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's beautiful. I love that. Mm. I was just looking up the sculptures and the paintings as well as you were describing uh -huh. them. And yeah, I can I can see what you mean, actually. I, I'm loosely familiar with both of those artists. Yes. So yeah. yeah. That's a really interesting way of taking. I've never heard someone say that before, honestly, of taking a visual component uh, but putting it to music. But I can see exactly what you're getting, uh -huh. and that obviously helps you then in in your composition. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it mm. helps. I mean, all you know, plenty of artists, if you like, people, painters, or something, would say that they are influenced by music, and and I really feel very mm. much that the boots on the other foot. But I think that you see, right. it might be okay. We're dealing with something which is not tangible in so far as the fact that it's um. Well, it is if you put the dots on the page and sell it as sheet music, but yes. it's not a tangible <laughs> thing. But uh, so therefore, when we're creating it, it's very important, I think, that there is some kind of uh, visual aspect to it. And, and I'm not also clearly not talking about having a music video, but I mean, the creativity mm -hmm. has a visual aspect to it. Uh, and right. these sculptures, particularly, uh, you know, with, with the Barbara Hepworth, a very, very good example. This is like looping as well. So you could take something yeah. like one of her... Um, uh, uh, Whatever, let's let's just take one of her sculptures. Uh, we're looking at it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to mm -hmm. describe one thing and you're looking at the yeah. same sculpture from the other side and you will describe something which is completely different, but we're talking about the same sculpture. Yes. If we were to just use our descriptive language, uh, 
you might be talking about uh you know the way that the the, the particular angle uh cuts away on this side or the, the light hits this that, and the other i could be talking about the smooth uh flow from the lower end or blah 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 but we're talking about it's the same sculpture but we're describing different things and that's music to me that's what mm. i explored a lot actually in invocation supplication was this this the fact that there is something that we've created here which has clearly two sides to it and we're turning it around all the time we're looking at both sides that's music that's three-dimensional music mm. uh it, it, you know the uh, yes can't put yeah. it better sorry <laughs> <laughs> no don't, don't apologize you're absolutely fine it, it again that makes a lot of uh -huh. sense i'm just processing what you're saying and yeah i i, I get it i get it i mean especially like what comes back to what we were saying earlier right about you write a song from a certain point of view you put it out there and then someone comes up to you and says i felt this precisely and you can go yeah cool all right, ne neither one is wrong. Yes, 100%, you know, right. Carly, that's yeah. it. Exactly, that's it. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I wonder how many other people in this are going to bring this up. I'll, I'll let you I'll let you know about yeah, that one. Yeah, please do, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's really, really interesting. And it's encouraging as well because it's, yeah. to me, it's just as an amateur songwriter, it's, it's a nice reminder to keep myself open uh, to experiences uh, and trying new things and, just letting that door open up because you don't know what's gonna that's right yeah what's gonna come through that's right yes you're mm. so right fascinating stuff i love it i love it yeah with that in mind with the sort of visual do you find that happens when you're playing music do you sort of get something in your head then sort of pop up like a story sometimes does that kind of help you write yeah um Yes, I suppose. I suppose so. I'm just trying. You know, it's the reason I ask is because, just yeah, just because. Um, yeah, it reminded me actually of something a friend of mine, my a good friend and former guest, Ellie Rialis, is a very good songwriter in her own right. Mm -hmm. Often talks about when it comes to writing lyrics, mm -hmm. she'll like she'll say she'll write us something on a piano or a guitar, and she says I'll just listen to it. Ah, uh -huh. and then it's like, what does the story in my head? You know, what sort of images come uh -huh. up, uh -huh. and then try and write to that. Okay. And I'm, I was fascinated by that. Yeah. And yeah, this it's kind of something I'm wondering if that plays a part sometimes when you're writing a piece and sort of wondering where it's going, if your imagination just suddenly wanders off and starts picturing something and you think, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And you just sort of follow it. I suppose so in a way. I mean, I wouldn't say it's something that I am aware of, uh, particularly, certainly when a piece is no. near completion, yeah, yeah. Completion, right. completion. I mean, that's a foul <laughs> thing to say, but you know. <laughs> I mean, right, when 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 yeah. a piece is is structurally uh, organised, then yes. I might when I'm playing it from start to finish, as opposed to several bits and pieces here and there. It might be that the I have a clearer idea of the sort of the arc of it. I mean, they always have an identity to start with even if it's even if it's yes. cloudy or obscured or unknown they they're completely unknown sometimes but they i sense that there is something ready mm. to be told here but uh it more often for me it's in the way i build sounds so for example some, some of the sounds in rex um those are very much like these these big kind of monoliths of barbara hepworth you know on a windswept moor somewhere these big huge kick-ass sounds that i'm making uh mm -hmm. are for her you know um, yeah so that's kind yeah. of a little bit more where it is i suppose the narrative mm. unfolds you know 
No, it's it's fascinating. It's again it, to me, it just says that you're letting those two different bits of your brain connect. Yes. Yes. You know, you're not separating one from the other, visual to audio. It's just it's all happening at the same yes. time. Yes. Yeah, it's just that's this is your avenue of expression. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Genuinely, this has been so insightful. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm just conscious of the time, but before I do close up, I wanted to throw it over to you, mm -hmm. Joe. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about in terms of songwriting, your approach, just something you feel, just anything that I've perhaps not covered or touched upon that you wanted to discuss? I, I, <clears throat> I don't, I don't think so. The only thing I would really, really want to convey to people is that mm -hmm. there is no embargo. There is no limitation on your own creativity and whatever your own yes. art is in whatever form it takes and if you haven't it's, we're not limited to the pursuit of arts here either i mean you know we could be bakers or gardeners or uh care for <laughs> children whatever it is yeah. but the point is that we yeah, can yeah. do things in an artistic way or with a, with a freedom um the the only thing i would want to 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 convey to you know the to your listeners is is that you permit yourselves to 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 do it your own way and not to be mm -hmm. told by anybody that you can or cannot do this that or the other you know i like i think mm -hmm. i mentioned it when in the concert that i played for you um is it quite people are quite fond of or they used to be quite fond of telling me what they thought i ought to do or i should do or even what i could do yeah. as a solo yeah. cellist and i said thank you very much indeed for your not useful information at all there <laughs> and went off and did it my way <laughs> and the biggest case in point is the thing i've just released invocation uh, uh -huh. we huge uh and it's a song three song cycle uh that are two of them one i wrote for maria franz from highland one from for lorenzo esposito fonasari who's a, a magnificent uh, baritone italian baritone maria's one mm -hmm. everything all of them everything was recorded at home so that was the first thing people say oh no you you, you need to really go into a studio no you don't you do it at home i mean we we had to yep. work our way around my fridge a lot of the time but we do it at home and my <laughs> choir was made by people singing to me and sending it on their mobile phones, right? And I made it, and you can listen to this piece, and it doesn't really sound like it's been made on a mobile phone. And no, well, it sounds incredible. Well, I was listening to it just before we started talking. Oh, I am so, glad yeah. you like it, but, but, yeah, what, but this brilliant. is the case in point: is that people, mm. a lot of people said you can't do that, and I'm saying mm -hmm, to you now mm -hmm. that whatever it is you want to do, you can do it, and please do it, yeah. and do it with great joy and verve and aplomb and the world mm -hmm. will turn correctly then you know that's all <laughs> <laughs> well said i think that's a lovely note to wrap up on so i just want to thank you joe for coming on thank you for your Pleasure. time and for anyone that doesn't know where can they find you and your work uh, uh youtube joe quail cello j-o-q-u-a-i-l um it's my website as well um it's joe quail cello instagram facebook you know that's what it is so. mm -hmm. brilliant i'll make sure to put links in all thank of that you. for the show notes of this episode all right thank you. no thanking you thank you very much and there we have it thank you so much joe for coming onto the podcast and sharing your absolutely fascinating insights into songwriting with us i really hope that you guys listening enjoyed this episode do yourself a favor and go and check out joe's music it is truly spectacular i'm not just saying that because she was kind enough to come on the show I really do think it's amazing. If you can see her live, then make sure you do it because it's really a sight to behold. As you would have heard, 
It's something that she's deeply passionate about and very connected to, as well as just being very technically gifted. It's really such an amazing thing to witness. So make sure you give it a listen and make sure you go and check it out when she's in your area. I have left links in the show notes where you can find her website, her music, and all that good stuff. Make sure you give her a follow and support her incredible work. It really is worth your time. And speaking of time, I just want to take a moment to thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please do me a favor and just tell somebody about it. That's really the number one thing I like to ask from my audience. Just spread the word. I really don't mind how you go about doing that, whether it's word of mouth or social media. Either way, it goes a long way to helping out this podcast, to find an audience, to grow, to reach more people, book more guests, explore more topics, and all of that good stuff. Links are in the show notes where you can give me a follow on social media, leave me a nice review on your favorite podcatcher, preferably five stars, please, as well as a few links where you can get yourself some merchandise featuring the wonderful artwork designed by one Alex Jenkins, his details also in the show notes, or you can donate directly to the podcast via the Kofi or Coffee page, still not sure how you pronounce it, or you can donate directly through the podcast website. Links are in the show notes for that as well. Thank you so much again for listening to this episode. I will be back next week with a returning guest to the podcast to discuss their approach to songwriting. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. It was an absolute blast to record and catch up with this person. And as ever, they brought me some really interesting insights that I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy. So until then, have yourselves a great week. Go and check out Joe's incredible music. And I will meet you right back here for another episode of the podcast. See you then.